Well, today we pick up in our series through the book of Colossians. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you to pull it out and turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 today. If you don't have your Bible with you, that is okay. We'd love to give you a free Bible before you leave today. Uh, Again, in the lobby, that new here area, we would love to send you home with a free Bible uh, just as our gift to you. And again, if you don't have one, the words will be on the screen behind me um, so you could follow along that way. These verses in Colossians chapter 3 are powerful summary verses. It's like Paul just spent the first two chapters of his book telling you all this important stuff about God, all these theological truths, and now he says, okay, if this is true, then this is how it applies to your life. These are some very practical things to think about. And so uh, it's a good summary, and we'll jump into the first four verses here. It says, since... You have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So these these, uh, verses give us a great summary of the main theme, the main idea that we've been looking at in this series through the book of Colossians. Um, It is, Jesus is, somebody say it, enough. One person's been paying attention. I like it. There you go. Jesus is enough. And if you didn't know the answer to that, this is your first Sunday. You're tuning in for the first time. A special welcome to you. You can hop right in. You can join right in. You can be a part of what's going on here. And uh, you'll just just pick up right where, we, right where we are today. We love it. It's a really great thing. Um, the other thing that we've been talking about in the stream of messages the last couple of weeks is this idea that There's a whole lot of rules that people like to put on our life. Live this way, do this thing, experience that, do this, do that. All of these rules, and the last couple of weeks we've been talking about that these rules aren't helpful. In fact, Jesus didn't come to give us new rules. Not rules, but Jesus gives us new life. There you go. He came to give us new life. And that is why we have to keep our sights on Jesus. We look to Jesus. And because of what he has accomplished, he is sitting at the right hand of God, a place of honor, a place of prominence. And that's where we look to him. He's accomplished everything. He's made it possible where he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father a place of honor, a place of prominence. And yet, as we've looked at, there are so many false teachers, so many other things, so many other people that are coming at you with so many what we've been calling rules and telling you, you got to do this, you got to have this. Sometimes it's spiritual stuff. It's like you got to have this spiritual experience. You got to go here. You got to experience this thing. You got to do that. But a spiritual experience that is not grounded in the Bible, that does not focus on Jesus and does not include the Holy Spirit, cannot help you in your life. And so Paul actually, ironically, he calls these things, even though they talk about heavenly things, they're actually things of earth. Like it might be a heavenly-minded, but it's coming from 
their heart. It's coming from a person's brain. It's not coming from God. It's coming from the things below, the things on earth, not from the things in heaven. And then he says that we have died to our old self, our old life. We, it's been paid for. It's been dealt with. Our sin, our sin nature has been crucified with Christ. It's, it's no longer a part of, it has no longer has any power over us. And we used an illustration last week where there was a cross right over there. So if I'm pointing over there, that's what I'm pointing at. There was a cross over there. We were nailing our record of wrong to the, the cross where we died to this life. And so Jesus is enough for our past. He paid the penalty for our sin, the things that we've done wrong, the things that we feel guilty about and ashamed about. He's paid for all of that. He's enough for our past, and Jesus is enough for our present. He is our life. He is your life. He is the, the breath that you're breathing, the reason you get up in the morning. He, he is your life. It what keeps you going, and Jesus is enough for our future. Jesus, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, is coming back to rule and to reign here on this earth, and if you are a follower of him, you're going to be ruling, and you're going to be reigning right along with him. And so we will share in his glory. So summary of these things is that Jesus is enough. He hasn't come to give you a new set of rules to live by. Or if you can't keep the rules, feel convicted about breaking them, right? He's come to give you something so much better, something new, a new life. And everybody said, so what? So what? And that's what Paul answers for us today as he continues. He says, so what? Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So what? Put to death the old. Put to death the sinful things. Put to death the earthly things that are lurking within you. Remember just a couple of verses prior in chapter 2, Paul says that rules have absolutely no help in helping us overcome our sinful desires. So we ask the question, how do you overcome those sinful desires? Well, Paul gives us some very specific things that are sinful desires, and he gives us how to overcome them. The simple answer of how you overcome those sinful desires is you put them to death. You kill them. You starve them. You do not feed them. They are dead already, and you just continue to leave them behind. Just continue to kill them. And so here are some things that Paul says, and we'll go through them uh, in turn here. But he says, have nothing to do, these are the things that you put to death, with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. And because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So summary... Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. 
and put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put to death, put on. Put to death the old sinful stuff, put on the new life-giving, abundant life Jesus stuff. Put to death some stuff, put on some stuff. Last week, we illustrated this idea, this tension with this cross over here. And we said how our old self, our our record of wrongdoing was nailed to that cross. And so we can live in freedom. We don't have to be controlled by that anymore. It doesn't have any power over our life. We can live in freedom. And yet there is something inside of all of us that continues to draw us back to that list it's like we know it's gone. We know we're forgiven. We know we've, it's paid for, but there's this, this draw. This, sometimes it's slow and sometimes it's fast, but we just kind of like, I got to go over there. I got to get it. I feel better with my list. I feel better about it. Or, or this time, I'm going to take care of it myself. And we just keep drawing ourselves back to it. We keep drawing our mind back to those things. We keep doubting. You know, we keep questioning, are we really... You know, have we really done enough or have we been saved or whatever? You know, we keep going back to those things. But it's gone. It's paid for and we can live a new life. Today, it's the same illustration. It just looks a little different. We are called to put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within us. It's a clothing illustration. You put on some things and you take off some things. So this represents our old, dirty, if you sit sitting close by, stinky, (laughs) uh, messed up stuff that we wear that represents the the old, sinful, earthly things lurking within us. And Paul tells us to take this off, to put it to death, and to put on something, something else, something better, something clean, something new, something, something nice. It's called product placement, everybody. And you would think, given the choice between this braggedy old nasty thing and this beautiful clean t-shirt, that we would all choose to wear this, to put this on, to live in this reality. But I don't think it's that easy. I think there's something that we find comfortable, we find warm and safe in our old nature, in our old self. And we don't really want to go through the hassle of, you mean I gotta take this shirt off in front of all you people? I don't, know, I don't know if I really want to do that. I, I mean, it, it's kind of nice. Like, it's, it's, it's got this nice yellow kind of hint to it. And, you know, it fits nice. You know, you got a lot of loose room. You know, we come up with all of these excuses, all of these reasons why we can continue to live in this messed up, dirty place. And so Paul tells us, get rid of it. Put it to death. It's nailed to the cross. It's done with. It's over. It's paid for. Forget about it. Like, just take it off. Let's see if I can do here without uh, messing everything up here. But, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. 
take it off. There we go. Someone knows how to put a t-shirt on. All right, that's good enough for now. We did it. We take off, we put off, put to death this old messed up thing. And we put on the new, the new nature that God has created, has given us, those who put their faith and trust in him. And so the first thing that we have to know as followers of Jesus is our position in Christ. That in Christ, as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in Jesus, God sees you as new. He sees you as righteous and holy and born into the family of God. He sees you as forgiven. He sees you as all of these things. This is your position in Christ. And we get rid of this old stuff. That's not who we are anymore. And there was a song we sang last week. It's called Just As I Am. That was a powerful song. Just as I am, I come. And you know, whatever your old sinful self, no matter how dirty your t-shirt is, no matter what's on your record of wrongdoing, you can come to Jesus. You can come to God and he will accept you. He will love you and you can come to him. But, and this is the important part, he loves you too much to leave you like this. You can come to him with anything on your list, anything on your heart, anything on your life, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Imagine, like what's the point in everyone coming to God? You can come with all your stuff and God kind of looks at you, you muster enough courage to come to church maybe for the first time and, and you know you got all this stuff, you, you pray for the first time and you come to God and God's like, Oh, I love you. Like, it's so good to see you. You're, you're, it's so, it's, I just, you're such a beautiful person, and I'm, you just look so nice. And you're like, uh, do you see my shirt? Like, like, it's a little messed up. It's a little stinky. It's a little, like, I don't know. And God, you know, saying, it's fine. You know, I like the color yellow and it's, it's good. You know, I appreciate you coming and, and being a part of this thing and it's, you're good. It's like, no, like God has something so much better for you. You come just as you are, but he gives you something completely new, something completely better. When, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, okay, Lazarus was dead for a number of days, and Jesus showed up late to the tomb because he wanted him to be dead and stinky and smelly and, and be wrapped in his grave clothes and be laying in this tomb, and everyone was like, Jesus, you showed up late. You're, you're the great healer. Like, you should have came here. You could have healed him. You could have saved your friend, and Jesus was like, I'm trying to tell you something completely different. I'm trying to tell you that I raised people from the dead. I'm not just heal people, but, but raise people from the dead. And so he says, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Come on. And so Lazarus, you know, comes out of the tomb. You know, I don't know why dead, I don't know why dead people walk like zombies, but they do, right? And he's wrapped 
in his grave clothes, his stinky, smelly, nasty grave clothes. And Jesus turns to everyone else in the crowd and says, unwrap him. Unwrap him. He's alive now. So why is he wearing his old stuff? Why is he wearing the stuff that's stinky and smelly and represents being dead? He's not that anymore. He's alive. And I hear somebody saying to you, unwrap him. Unwrap yourself. Get rid of that stuff. Throw it away. Kill it. Put it to death. It's over. That's not who you are anymore. You are alive. You are new. So stop wearing those things that don't characterize or identify who you are anymore because your position is in Christ. It is new. And I think God gets a little or a lot angry at a believer who is new and yet continues to live their life like this. Like it's a righteous anger. It's an anger of a a father, a good father, that disciplines their children because they want something so much better for them. The kid keeps running into the street and it's like, I got acres and acres and acres of beautiful play area. You can go and do whatever you want to do, but why you keep running into the street? I'm not going to let you do that. You can't. No, don't do this anymore. You got so much, so much to live for, so many beautiful things to live into. And that's the illustration. And now we get into some specifics. What exactly do we put to death and put off, and what exactly do we put on? Paul tells us two broad categories. He tells us sensual sins that we put off and kill, and interpersonal sins that we put off and kill. And I know digging into lists of sins is everybody's favorite thing, but that's what Paul does, and I, I appreciate if you would hang in there with me because I think there's some good news to be found in these things. And so, uh, the first thing that Paul tells us to have nothing to do with, to kill, to get rid of, to destroy, is sexual immorality. And uh, I figured we'd just skip this one because we don't really deal with sexual immorality in our world today, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, and the Greek word for sexual immorality here that Paul uses is pornea, and it's where we get our English word pornography from. And so pornography certainly is a part of sexual immorality, have nothing to do with that. Um, but at the same time, it also refers to anything outside of God's design for sex. And yes, God has a particular design, a particular ethic. He created it for sex. And I realize that our culture and our world wants nothing to do with that particular design. And it might be one of the reasons why you know somebody who is not a Christian today is because they kind of know, like, if they were to follow Jesus and to become a believer, then, well, that means my life, my sex life, is going to really have to change. And I don't really know if I'm really willing to do that. And maybe that's some of your thoughts, too. Like, you're holding on to this thing, this, this it's an important thing of, of who we, God has created us to be, but you're holding on to it, and it's preventing you from really diving in with both feet into all that Jesus, the new life that Jesus has for you. Paul says to get rid of all of sexual 
immorality, anything that doesn't fit within God's design for sex. God's design for sex is a man and a woman in marriage. That's it. So before marriage, after marriage, other combinations of things, all of those things do not fall within God's design for sex. And you're like, okay, I'm pretty good at that, you know. I'm not doing anything crazy. Jesus showed up, just to remind you, and he was saying, you know that law that you're not supposed to commit adultery, you know? If you're married, you're not supposed to, like, go sleep with other people. You know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you probably didn't actually do that, but you know what? If you've lusted after somebody in your own heart, well, then you basically already committed adultery. And everyone's like, what? Like, that's impossible. I can't, like, not do that. And Jesus is like, that's the point. It's not about the rules. It's about a new life that Jesus wants to give you, a new life that he is offering you. And all of us, no matter how old we are, no matter what situation or stage in life we're in, we all have sexual integrity to live into. And so it means something different. When you're younger, you know, there are certain things that you can and can't do. When you're married, there are certain things that you can and can't do. When you're married again or once married but now you're not or, or whatever, like there's certain things that, that you have the ability to honor God with the way that you live your sex life, no matter what stage of life you're in. And so we want to get rid of sexual immorality, have nothing to do with it. Impurity, lust, and evil desires also get rid of those things. Those are also related terms with sexuality. And so is greedy. Uh, A greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So greedy, some of us, some of people want more and more stuff, more and more experiences, more and more sexual experiences. And so whatever comes in the place of God is an idol. It's not maybe a wooden image or a metal image that you're bowing down to and singing songs to. It's anything that comes in place of God that takes the first place of God to worship of your life. And so greed, whatever you're greedy for, whatever that more is, the more stuff, the more experiences, the more whatever, that could be and is oftentimes an idol. And so, how do we conquer these evil desires, right? That's the question. Here's the list. And now that you've seen the list, you're like, oh, man, like you feel convicted by the list, right? It's like my life doesn't line up with these things. I do these things. I I don't have nothing to do with them. I'm doing them all of the time. You feel convicted by them. Or maybe you see the list and you're like, man, I'm good. Like I I don't do much of that stuff that often. And the rules kind of promise you this false sense of righteousness, this false sense of, like, you got this all together. See, it's not about the rules. It's about Jesus giving you a new way of living. You've put on the new self, a new identity, and from that new identity come these things that characterize this new identity. And this concept of what you believe translating into how you live your life is a relatively 
new but our christian concept it's a jesus thing it's a it's a first century paul was teaching thing that was completely foreign in 2000 years ago you could take your sacrifice to the gods up in the temple you know appease the gods as long as they were happy as long as they were satisfied with whatever you brought them then you could go back home and sleep with whoever you wanted to sleep with because the gods were happy so you could do whatever you wanted to do and Jesus shows up and Paul shows up and says, not here. Like we're not going for appease the gods and live however you want. It's God has given you something brand new. And because you are a brand new creation, now your life looks different. And it also, so it, it looks different in the sensual kind of sexual way. And it also looks different in the interpersonal Way. And it says, get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Anger, a bad attitude towards other people, rage, outbursts of anger, malicious behavior, habits of anger, slander, tearing down others, uh, bringing them down with, you know, different words or things. Uh, dirty language just kind of covers a wide variety of everything um, that's unclean or un impure or whatever, obscene, coarse humor. And don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Lying to each other is like you're intentionally deceiving somebody for your own personal gain. We don't want to, to do that. So how, again, here's the question, how do we live out these seemingly rules, right? Because you could be reading these things, you could see these things, and I know it's hard. You're like, I, I, I'm angry, <laughs> I get angry, I say stuff that's not good, and you, you kind of, again, you get convicted about the rules, or, or you're like, I'm pretty good, but that person over there, my coworker, oh man, they should see this list, you know? That would really help them, and you make yourself feel better as a result of those things. But it's not about the list, it's not about the rules, and so one of the most important things I think that we can take home today, and what I want to try to help you to understand and to live into today is we put to death certain things that characterize the old self. We put on certain things that are characteristics of the new self. The fact that you even sense a tension when you see a list of sins like that is good indication that most likely you have God inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have a new identity, a new position. You have this to wear. And you feel something inside of your heart that's like, I shouldn't be living this way. I shouldn't be doing that. And there's a reason you feel that way. It's because that stuff doesn't characterize you anymore. That's not defining you anymore. That's not what controls your life anymore. But if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not inside of you, then you don't really feel that kind of weird tension. It just is, this is life. 
And maybe you put rules on and, and you feel guilty about maybe you know, disappointing a parent or not living up to your own expectations or whatever, but you really don't feel that same type of tension, that same type of like, this isn't right, I need to change this. And so I don't want you to feel like there's no hope, maybe I'm not a believer. Like the fact that you even feel attention is good indication that God is at work in your life and he is, you are right where he wants you to be. You are right in the middle of it. God is at work in your life, so don't give up. The pressure or the tension causes us to put more pressure on ourselves a lot of times. Like we feel, for lack of a better term, convicted, right, about these things. And we want to change. We want to get better. We want to live for Jesus. We want to do that. And so what our first instinct is, is oftentimes to run over to that list of wrongdoing, to take our old nature and say, okay, this time is going to be different. This time I will figure it out. This time I will conquer it. This time I will do it. And yes, there are certain things that you obviously have to do, but thinking of it that way is you're always going to fail. You're always going to let yourself down. You're always going to not live up to the pressure you've put on yourself. What you should do instead, when you feel this tension and you've got to increase the pressure, you put more pressure on God. You lean harder into Him. You, you draw, draw closer to Him. You, you, you get to know Him more, and you, you cry out to Him more, more sincerely, more humbly, more like, God, I just need you. I need your help today. I need your help in my mind. I need your help to control where I go. I need, I need you more. And so we're not leaning more into our own efforts, but we're leaning more into God and saying, God, I need you. It's a, it's a learning thing. It's a progress thing. And so we don't live and do good things for the purpose of earning God's favor. We do good things because we already have God's favor. We, we don't do good things to earn God's blessing. We are already blessed, and from that position, we live our life. It's a little difference in the English language, but it makes an incredible difference in the way that we live our life. It's a process. We put on a new nature and be, are renewed as you learn not how to overcome this particular sin, not how to put this thing on your computer, not how to do this or that or the other thing. You're renewed as you learn to know who? Your creator. And you become like him. So what has God been teaching you lately? What are you learning? How much are you spending time learning about your creator, getting to know your creator, spending time in conversation, reading his word, and talking to him through prayer? Because the more we do that, the more we engage in, in conversations with other believers as we focus on getting to know God, it, it, it helps us renew our minds and renew our hearts, and we become a new person. So you might think, well, if we're renewed as we learn to know our creator, then why don't we just keep talking about him and let's just leave all this sinless stuff in the past, right? Let's, let's just leave this negative stuff. I don't like that stuff. And let's just focus on God. 
It's like, okay, like I get that again. But think about beauty, like a beautiful garden. Everyone loves a beautiful garden, flowers, beautiful mulch, everything's beautiful. It's only beautiful is because somebody took the time to look at a weed and put it to death, <laughs> to pull it out of the ground and get rid of it. And so you, you got to focus on something negative, something sinful, something that you just, it's dead, you get rid of it, and now you live into this amazingly beautiful experience that God has designed and wants to give to every single person. Every single one of you, he wants to give it to you. Remember that physical surgery can't change your heart, who you really are. Like Again, you might want to figure it out yourself. You might want to take care of it yourself. You might want to leave here today and say, I will never do this again. And if all the pressure is on you, you're most likely going to fail. But if you learn how to fail well and continue to press more into God, more into knowing him, more like you'll become more like him and your life will look more like the position that you are put in. It'll look more like the new person that God has created you to be. So a group of people living into this reality creates a very attractive community. It's attractive because anybody and everyone can come to a community of people like this one, a church like this one, with whatever is on their shirt, whatever is in their life, and they come, and they come, and they feel like, wow, like, I can be a part of this. That's what I mean by attractive, right? Because sometimes you can go into a community with your shirt on and feel like, well, everybody else is wearing this and I'm wearing that and I, I don't fit in. They're too perfect for me. And other times you could walk into somewhere, a church somewhere with this shirt on and you see everybody else wearing the exact same thing. And you're like, do you, do you know that your shirt's kind of messy? Because like, I know mine is, and I came here looking for something new. And, and it doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to find it here. But when we live into this reality that we come as we are, but God loves us too much to keep us as we are, People, people want to be a part of that. You want to be, a, I want to be a part of that. And it's for everyone. And this is the power in all of this. This is what Paul says here. He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. It doesn't matter if you are God's chosen people or not, right? That's a Jew or a Gentile, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your religious background, whether you were circumcised or not, whether you grew up as a Muslim or a Hindu or a Mormon or whatever was in your religious past, it doesn't matter in this new community. It doesn't matter if you are a barbarian or uncivilized. The Greek culture 
considered everybody who wasn't Greek like uncivilized people. And uh, the way the New Living Translation translates uncivilized, it's a word, Scythian. It's like a specific people group that was considered like the lowest of the lows. This, the, I mean, they weren't even humans, right? And Paul's like, it doesn't even matter if you're barbaric or uncivilized. And it doesn't matter if you are a slave or if you're free. Now, in the first century Roman world, this was like their economy system. Uh, like over 60% of the population were slaves, and they, you know, worked for the owners. And in our world, it's kind of like the employer-employee relationship. And so it doesn't matter if you're the owner of the business or you're the person working for minimum wage at the bottom of the totem pole. Jesus is enough for you. This community has a place for you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, you're influential or you're an outcast. And everything in between it includes everyone of all different colors, of all different languages. It includes people that come in with a shirt so messed up because they stole something and they ended up in federal prison. And it includes people that stole something in second grade and they hardly ever got caught. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what matters is that Christ is in you. So don't you think that in this community that attracts all these different kinds of people that were united because of Jesus, that there be some differences between people? They might see the world a little differently. They might vote a little differently. They might have a little bit more money or a little bit more influence. They might, you know, have politics a little different. They might handle their finances a little different. They might see the world differently. And of course, that is absolutely true. Because the question is, is Christ in you? Christ is all that matters. And he lives in every single one of us, those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. He lives in us. And he unites us in a way that nothing else can. I think, I think our world is looking for a community that they can only literally find in the church. Like they're looking to be a part of a diverse place where anybody and everybody can come together, love each other, live together. And they just, you just can't find it anywhere else. Where else does a place bring together the type of people, the kinds of people that are even in this room right now I mean, I know everyone's looking at me, but take a second to look just to your left and to your right. Look at somebody. I know you can't really see if you're sitting in the back up there, but it's so cool. I am so like just overjoyed as I was reading this and just thinking about you all. Like God is doing this, even in this place, different languages, different nationalities, different experiences, different religious experiences, different uh, socioeconomic statuses. And it's like, you're all here. <laughs> You're here because of Jesus. We can be united in him. And so when we are, we put to death this old stuff. This old stuff is gone. It doesn't control us anymore. It has no power over us anymore. And we live in the new. And people want the new so bad. I know you want, the, I want the new so bad. And I think as we continue to live into the position that God has given us, that the world 
will want to be a part of it too. They'll, want, they'll, they'll be curious. Our friends, our neighbors, our, our, our co-workers, they'll want, be, want to be a part of it too. So I'm so glad that you are a part of it. Let's pray, and our worship team will come up as we wrap up our service today. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just thank you for how you are at work in this place. Your gospel, good news, the fact that we don't have to follow rules <laughs> brings together people of all different kinds, all different life experiences, all different situations, all different, you name it. God, you bring it together here, united in Jesus, because you are at work in us. And I thank you for doing that. I pray that we would continue to lean into that, put more pressure onto you, God, in each of our lives that we would say, God, I need you now. I need to live in this reality that you've given us. I believe in you. You've died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. You've risen again to give me new life. Now help me to live into that new reality and put to death that old stuff that doesn't characterize me anymore. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to do that today. In Jesus' name.